Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Joined by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Well, Kevin, your thoughts? We will put the round ball up for a while, and um, it'll be probably what. Mid-October, before we start talking again about basketball, but uh, your thoughts on the 4-0 and tour that Arkansas had through uh, Italy and Spain? Well, yeah, I thought, you know, the first thing is, obviously, you win all of them, 4-0. and Arkansas, you know, there, there were stretches of, of, you know, the first game was just a, a wipeout. That was a 49-point win. Arkansas found itself in a, in a contest in game two. Uh, I thought they handled business for the most part in games three and four once they went to Italy, but they made enough mistakes and did enough uh, things to help keep teams kind of in it within within striking distance uh, before putting them away. And so, you know, you win, but, but you won all four games in the end by double digits. Arkansas averaged 88 points a game. I think their winning margin came into an average of around 24, and that skewed a little bit by that 49-point win. Um, but you know, but I'm just, I just look at, you know, the the positives and the negatives. I think the positives are what we've talked about so much with the recruiting in the off-season, uh, all the length and size and athleticism. What really translated to me was the the idea that we're going to use that to play to those strengths. And what Arkansas did was they just constantly attacked the paint and the rim. Um, you know, I think they ended up shooting around 57% uh, from the field on this trip, which is outstanding. Um, but but when you play to your strengths, you expect success, and I think Arkansas did that. We saw them in transition, open court, excel. We saw them, you know, strike quickly. You know, the 24-second shot clock was not a problem for Arkansas. They got into their offense early. You saw it over and over again. Some of it was secondary transition. Some of it was just guys breaking off a play and driving into the paint and finishing or, or, or throwing over a defender with a lob or a dump down. And so I thought that was the strength of this team consistently. I thought defensively, which has been Arkansas's calling card as a program in the last two years under Musman, um, going to back-to-back lead eights, I thought the team kind of evolved. I thought games two and three, three and four, excuse me, were their best games defensively. Uh, for longer stretches and more consistency when you started talking about not only the turnovers they were creating, that was good throughout, but the field goal percentages, keeping keeping the last two opponents down around 30% overall, 30 or below on three-point shooting, and then forcing just a ton of turnovers. Among those, a lot of steals that Arkansas was able to convert into those easy transition finishes. So I thought when you look at offense, defense, those were the positives. Randy, the negatives to me, we're on offense. This team, to me, looks. I thought going to those practices that were open to the media, I thought I saw enough to suggest this team might be better as a three-point shooting team than the dismal performance we saw last year, ranked in the 300s. And on this tour, we we did not see that. We saw one guy, Nick Smith Jr., shoot in volume and with efficiency, and and the rest of it was. I mean, this team totaled 16 threes in four games. That's four makes a game. They were down around 28 percent. But Nick had nine of those 16 and shot, you know, just under right at 40%. So when you take that away from one guy, it, it looks a lot worse. Uh. Um, so I say that to say 
as good as they were attacking the basket, um, we can talk about all the turnovers, the 30 in the last game. That's horrible. The fact that mm. most of these teams shot more free throws in Arkansas tells you that the officiating over there is not only different, it's not very good. Uh, because you can't attack the rim and, and paint that much and be a, a proven program that is elite in, uh, on this side of the Atlantic Ocean in college basketball, getting to the foul line in, in volume and, and, and far exceeding what your opponents do. But for some reason, it's, it's the reverse when you travel. So I think there are some things that might be fooling us when we look at all the turnovers and the quick whistles uh, and some of the foul calling that didn't go Arkansas's way. Uh, but I do think there's some problem areas among those things. I just don't think it was as bad as it looked simply because of the way the game was called. But Arkansas could control things on, on its own outside of that, and that's why I think their attention to get to the basket, yes, they weren't good shooting from three, but they didn't launch a ton of threes. They played to their strengths. They didn't make that a, a glaring weakness, and I thought that was smart. Um, and I thought, you know, we could talk about individuals a little bit because I've kind of carried on here about the team stuff. But when you, the other part is when you, when you're substituting and bringing in so many guys, that's not that's not how Musman does things for peak efficiency and, and consistency uh, and and you know dynamics that lead to the kind of winning that he that he you know that he's authored at Arkansas. So I think while he's learning about all these players and different combinations, that also played into some of the sloppiness because I I can't remember a game, just zeroing in on one thing where I saw almost 60 turnovers. Arkansas forced 27 turnovers yesterday. 15 of those were steals, and they were minus three in the turnover department. Uh, that was kind of a shock to the system, and Arkansas was so good defensively that, that some of those things sometimes overshadowed just how good they were against a pro-level team with veteran guys. I mean, holding that team to five points in the first quarter, and they made their first field goal less than 10 seconds in that first quarter, uh, probably should have been the headline along with Trevon Brazil going for 28, but oh. those turnovers, man, I know Musman wasn't happy with it. Was that not as an amazing – I realize he shot like, what, 85% on his two-point attempts, and the majority of his misses were beyond the three-point line. But, my goodness gracious, Kevin, have you ever seen a performance, four-game performance like that before? Hmm. No, you know, if you, we've been, I've been making comparisons, some comparisons to Daniel Gafford. And if you remember Gafford's time at Arkansas, he was a volume scorer and he was around 70. Sometimes he'd have stretches of 80% field goals because he's finishing so much around the rim and above it. Mm-hmm. But this guy's a little bit different. I'm not going to say he's a Daniel Gafford, but there's a little Bobby Portis in there too. He can stretch the floor. Yes, he only made one three, but he had a nice fadeaway mid-range shot in one of the games. He looked confident when he stepped out and shot away, but he played to his strengths against this level of competition was just getting that length and athleticism. And you start thinking about those percentages, 30, uh, excuse me, 29 of 34 from the field overall, and you start thinking, well, there just must have been a lot of easy scores in there. And there were some. He got some steals. He had four the other day and got out in transition, uncontested dunks. But some of his putback dunks, some of the angles he was at also remind me of Gafford, those pogo stick, quick jumps from the weird angles that you don't necessarily think he can finish from, and then it's just, and then he makes it look easy. And he, and he kind of just makes the defense look pathetic. Uh, some, of his, some of his finishing moves in stride, you know, don't t- ever take for granted a 6'10 guy with 7'4 wingspan who makes it look easy that it is. He just makes it look easy. Some of those were just quick 
reactions to tight passes and tight quarters and, and him contorting in a way that you don't see a lot of players do. So I'm using a lot of superlatives here because I don't think it's just about the, the efficiency being so great. I think it's it was probably more difficult on a lot of those finishes than we even realized because he makes it look easy. Uh, and then he turned the switch on the rebounding part. He flipped that switch midway through the tour. Once they got to Italy, he listened to the coaches. That's what you pay attention to in, in situations like this. They got on to him about being more aggressive on the glass, and he responded. Not only getting 16 in those last two games, uh, but a lot of that was offensive rebounds. Game three, all of his baskets, four out of four, were all putbacks, some version of a putback, tip in or, or gather and, and stick it back in. So and then throughout, I thought he consistently either blocked shots or altered shots. Um, and, and you see him run the floor, I mean, flashing into passing lanes almost like a guard or a wing to get steals. I mean, so he, he did a lot of stuff, Randy. I've been writing about the guy just having flashes through the first three games of all league kind of caliber stuff. And then he gets 35 minutes and puts it all together in that game against pros or against the toughest competition. That's something to build on for Trevon Brazil. Is, and what happened the other day, kind of a blessing in disguise, and that is the fact that uh, when Nick Smith Jr. strained that, that knee, it really threw the responsibility totally on Anthony Black and Devo Davis uh, and really anybody else in some regards, Ricky Council for that matter. Uh, was that kind of a blessing in disguise, though, for Musselman to be able to see, you know, when Nick's out of the game and how they have to react? Because he said they could have put him back in there, loosened him up at halftime, and he probably could have gotten back out there. But instead, wisely, they just held him out. But do you think that maybe was a little bit of, of a blessing in disguise to see how uh, the team would respond? Yeah, multiple things there. One is you saw you saw Anthony Black with an uncharacteristic five turnovers in this game. Devo had seven. Ricky Council had four. This is what makes Nick Smith so valuable on the court is not just the production, and he, and he was wonderful in production and efficient until he got hurt, um, but it's also what how defenses have to account for him, and it opens things up for other players. So I thought there was a, some struggles with the guards because uh, you take that dynamic out. He's the one guy, I think he's the only guy on Arkansas' team that's surefire offense no matter what kind of matchup it is. Of course, Brazil had a big game. So he, he kind of changed that narrative a little bit on, in one game that we've seen so far. But I think the guards struggle a little bit, and I think Mussman's going to be informed by that. I think it does help him. That is a blessing, but it wasn't all good in that All right, Kevin, hang on. We've got to take the break. Drive time sports will continue in a moment. You're in hog heaven. This is Drive Time Sports, a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network. Drive Time Sports here on the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater, joined again by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of hogville.net. Kevin, one thing that that, um, Eric Musselman was pleased with and you mentioned it kind of in the outset and that was the defense of Arkansas I thought it was pretty good well except for the first game first game they looked like 
you know, times chickens with their head cut off, running around, getting lost on their assignments and so forth and so on. I thought from game two, three, and then especially game four, the defenses picked up tremendously. Is that kind of what you saw as well? I, I did think so in three and four. Game two, Arkansas fell behind trailed after a quarter. They gave up 48% field goal shooting over the game and, you know, 86 points in that game. They they did have some really good defensive stretches, though, Randy. That's for sure in that game. And I think in a sense, from that standpoint, that was probably better than game one. Even though they won by 49, Musman was not pleased with busted assignments and some of the gambles. So I do think they cleaned some of that up, even in that, that not necessarily efficient defensive game. But there's no, there should be, should not be many arguments about three and four about how they really bowed up. And I think, you know, when you look back at some of those games where, where the teams would kind of get back in it or maybe have a little run, that was as much to do with Arkansas's turnovers or some of these fouls that just kept these teams on the free throw line. Uh, and again, the eye test. I don't want to sound like a homer, but it's just well documented that teams from, from college teams, especially playing in the international level, going overseas to play FIBA ball, you know, whatever trends they establish over here, like Arkansas being an elite free throw team, it just didn't equate over there. Um, you know, so I think we need to take some of these margins, which, you know, double-figure wins every game. I think you could actually assume those would have been wider margins against those comp- that competition had they been playing over here. That's not what happened. So you're, you're when you're watching this stuff, you're trying to – you know, you're, you're trying to scale it with, with something that makes sense to you because the, the Arkansas was certainly sloppy. But, man, those first-step quick whistles, and then I'm watching the other team, their players are not as quick. They're picking their pivots up on the first step. And they they whistled a few of those, but they let most of those go. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, you apparently your eyes are quick enough to see the faster guy, but you can't see that. So I I, I, you know, again, I take some of the sloppiness with a grain of salt on on how it was officiated. That's not to cover up Arkansas's mistakes. They had a they they telegraph passes. I thought when Nick was out, it did hurt him in that sense in the second half because now you've got more pressure to find other ways to score. And you don't have that three point threat. Uh, but but at the same time, Arkansas is going to cor- these are all correctable things. These are not talent issues or ability issues. They're correctable. The one thing I don't know is correctable is three-point shooting. I just, you know, you got to think Arkansas is going to be better than last year um, and, and what they did in, in four games because they didn't have a good game. They didn't even have one good game shooting from three. You had one good player, uh, one player with good shooting performances from three, but not as a team. And I think the silver lining there, again, I mentioned it before, is they didn't force a lot from three. They played to their strengths. They didn't make that a more glaring issue. And I think – while I think that was good based on how to win over there, I think when you get into league play, you're probably going to have to be a little better to be as good as you want to be from distance. And so that, to me, may be one of the one of the biggest question marks coming back. All right, but from our Asher... months away from league play, so <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a ways. Uh, from our Asher Record Service Company live in feedback, Darnell says, can we expect any of the freshmen to continue – Growing taller. Hmm. Well, you never know. But I'll tell you one guy whose growth as a player was unexpected in, in terms of just seeing what it was Barry Dunning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I don't want to dismiss because he he played in Alabama. He was a highly decorated player, and he was a top 100 guy, top 75 coming in. So it's not like we didn't know about him. But when you're talking, when you've got so many five stars now, and guys projected to be drafted, you know, lotteries and first rounds, and you know, and then to see him step in there and 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 push the door open to get in that top eight rotation in Europe, I think it says a lot about the just the sheer talent across the board, whether it was portal or high school recruiting, you know, it gives us more than maybe we expected this soon to see. And I thought Barry Dunning's growth as a player, um, for however long he's been on campus, is obvious. And Musselman raves about him. And he did some really good work over there, Randy, um, I, I, you know, and, and consistently good. And the other question would be, uh, is Darian Ford – injured haven't heard much about him i have no idea if there's an in, any kind of injury going on with darian uh in the minutes and opportunities that he got i was really impressed with the fact that he played with confidence i thought you know all players make mistakes so everyone made mistakes all the newcomers even the veterans did uh the returnees uh, but i thought when darian got his opportunities he did the things i saw him do on, in high school which is drive with confidence he has belief in himself you know he got a start he scored in the arkansas's run out run 11 to 2 in game three in transition there was another play in the second half where i thought he had a nice drive after a defensive rebound all the way to the rack i thought he got fouled hard no call uh, but you like to see him not shy away that's what you do with your opportunities you try to make the most of them so i was joe's opinion you know i had a really nice behind the back pass in transition I had some really good Defensive stretches in the in the opportunities he got, he had a force of twenty four or twenty four second shot clock violation just by playing de- you know really uh, aggressive defense. So I think it, you'd make the most of your moments. And you know, talking about that, Kamani Johnson, how about him making the most of his opportunities? Wow! If, if yeah. there's a guy that emerged as as a double double threat and a guy that's going to do that blue collar work around all the shiny new toys. Uh, you're talking about a below-the-rim warrior who just did it at both ends, plays to Musselman's expectations, was you know, and, and led by example. I think there was another guy we talked about, another guy that maybe is starting to give you, give Musselman reasons to say, okay, it's top seven, top eight rotation, you get a shot. Well, it's interesting. Shot. Yeah, it's interesting. You you talked about Kamani Johnson, and he deserves every pat on the back. Because I, I think to a certain level, uh, there, at least in my part, I was kind of disappointed in the Mitchell twins. I, I, I thought we would see more than what we saw from them. Yeah, and, and we see players take time to adjust and, and to fit in. You know, we, who, who knew that Trey Wade was going to end up being the kind of the kind of cog in the wheel in the starting lineup and a really the glue, you know. In a, right in a guy that just kind of helped things fall into place. You just never know. We're so far away. That's why, yes, I think there's some strong takeaways here, but three months from now when the regular season starts, there'll be some things that are different dynamics than what we saw over here and didn't necessarily even predict would happen. And that doesn't even account for the next few weeks and two months before you get it really get into conference play where we've seen every year Musman's had to jumble, jumble things around and tweak the rotation. So, we may have plenty more surprises, Randy, but I, I, I do think Kamani made a statement. He's a senior. He's been in the program, and I think he's going to give. And here's what happens with Musman. 
Musman's pushing all the buttons with his rotations, playing time. He knows more than any of us what he, what he saw and, that he, and, and why he did things the way he did. And either guys are going to make things hard for him when he's settling on rotations or they're going to make it easy for him. And, and, and that's either some guys stepping up and, uh, while others aren't. Uh, but the best thing for everybody to do is realize they've got plenty of time and they've got to bring it and make it harder for Musman to make those choices. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that we, we've we been talking about that because everything basically seemingly has been on paper. Well, now you've got something that uh, is tangible that you can sink your teeth into and know, well, this guy did this. It, it's like the first two games. Jordan Walsh looked All-American. Uh, he changes uh, environment, goes from uh, – Italy to Spain, and he looks lost. So, <laughs> and dropped down to number off the draft chart on one of those draft things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he disappeared all the together on, on one amazing? of them. Yeah. yeah, amazing. All right, Kevin, we thank you, and uh, we'll talk with you later on this week. That's Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net.